Hello and welcome aboard another episode of the Gallant Says Podcast. Available live exclusively on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Galant Says. In case you don't watch it on Twitch, you can subscribe to the Galant Says podcast and listen to it. It is on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. It is Wednesday, April 13th, 2022. We started recording at 6 o'clock Central Time. I did not think that... It would take me four hours to get my car registration taken care of, but that is the price you end up paying four hours of your time when you go to the Texas DMV and when you go to the DMV anywhere. I don't know what it is about the DMV, but it's a shared experience of complete misery, waiting in line, dealing with unfriendly people, dealing with all sorts of paperwork, Making sure that you have the right paperwork. Making sure that you go to the right place to fucking begin with. And look, I will fully admit that my need to go to the DMV today was entirely something that was created through my own incompetence. How did it happen? Somehow I lost my wallet at a bar. I wasn't drunk. I moved tables. It might have fallen in a crack or something. I don't know. Whatever the case After today's show, I'm in the midst of also looking for a place to live, condo, house, townhome, looking at a couple of different places. So after the show today, I got my car washed, did all sorts of adulting things. I feel great about myself. I checked out three properties, just drove by them. I'm going to see some of them on Friday. I got my gas refilled at Costco, which is the only place where gas prices are actually reasonable. I'm like, yeah, all right. So if I get to the DMV at one o'clock or so, it'll probably take me an hour, but I got my headphones. I got my cell phone. I'm going to be able to get this done. And even though I made this mistake, hey, at least it will be a thing of the past very, very soon. I was wrong. So first I go to the first spot. I just go to a Texas DMV after last night talking to someone say, hey, how do you change your registration from out of state to in state? They said, oh yeah, just go to a DMV. You'll be fine. So I go to a DMV and I wait in line for a while. The line is stretching around the corner outside. Not a great day outside here in Houston. It's a little bit humid, but even more so like borderline raining. So I get a little wet. I'm just sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Jason83 asks, this couldn't be done online. No, not when you are moving from out of state. In state, yes. Out of state, no. So I get to the front of the line and I'm like, okay, I'm finally inside. So I got to the front of the line not to, you know, sit down and be attended to. I got to the front of the line to go take a ticket like it's at a deli counter. I get a ticket and I'm about to sit down and I'm thankful that somebody actually came up and talked to me here and she said, hey, are you here for registration? I said, yeah, out of state registration. She said, oh, we don't do that here. And I was like, wait, why why not? She said, we just don't. Why not? Uh, Well, sorry, sir, we just don't. And I'm like, well, why didn't someone fucking tell me when I talked to them? And I tried to be polite and I tried to be calm. I didn't want to make a scene. Knowing me, if you know me at all, I'm exact, not exactly the easiest to deal with when I find something to be completely nonsensical. But whatever the case, she tells me, okay, you got to go to one of these other places. And apparently the difference with this place compared to the actual DMV, it's a tax assessor collector office. So I go to the tax 
collector assessor, uh, wait, tax assessor collector office. And I get there, and again, it's a line. And I'm waiting in line, and I'm thinking to myself, well, at the very least, I can watch the Astros game on my phone. I can listen to some podcasts. Little did I know, and maybe this is just a DMV thing or a, any place that involves taking care of paperwork to get yourself back on the road, but there's no fucking signal. So I'm trying to watch it on Fubo TV, the most overpriced piece of shit app that there is. It's like $90 a month, and it's the only app that you can actually watch the Astros on. So I can't get enough signal to watch it. So I'm like, well, this sucks. So then I started listening to podcasts that I haven't listened to. I'm in line. I'm waiting outside. I'm waiting outside to get to the front. Tell me to go uh, that I have to wait to take that final step indoors. That step, like just standing outside and being the last person out before I was given another essentially deli ticket, that took 20 minutes. So I get through the door. I sit down. I'm like, oh, my God, at least I get to sit down. So just standing outside in the borderline rain for a while. Sit down, and I wait, and I wait, and I wait. And I'm like, okay, well, still no signal, but at least I'm listening to podcasts. Could be worse, Paul. This is not that bad of a day. Calm down. Stop getting angry. Stop work getting worked up. I had all my paperwork ready to go. Had my passport. I had my um, Washington registration. I had my insurance. I had I had my state inspection, which I got yesterday. I had my title. I had all sorts of different things that I knew I needed to have. Get to the front. We talk. Everything's going well, and then. The next thing I see, the person who is running things, she makes a a really quick look. She asks me, wait a second, don't you have the original version of your inspection paperwork? And she said it really slowly because I think she was expecting me to blow a volcano. And I'm like, "Um, wait a second, what? And she said, yeah, you need to have the original version. For some reason, I photocopied that thinking I needed to photocopy my title and all these things because I figured they were going to take it from me. No, you don't photocopy your state inspection sticker. So she says, look, I'm going to help you out here. But this thing closes in basically 29 minutes. So if you can get back to your place, grab the original inspection and get here, we will basically just take you in and you won't have to wait in the line again. But the thing was closing at 4.30. So I get in my car and I'm going like 65 miles per hour on Houston's shitty pothole-laden roads, driving as fast as I can because I'm like, I do not want to have to wait another two hours tomorrow to get this taken care of. Drive back. I'm sprinting through my apartment complex, run up the stairs, look, and I grab a piece of paper. Oh, no, it's not... It's, I just grabbed a random piece of paper. I thought it was the ins- the inspection. Looked around. I'm like, oh, shit. Did I, did I actually have the inspection the whole time? Find the inspection. Run back to my car. Left the car on. Just drive out as fast as I possibly fucking could. Get back there at 429 on the dot. Slide in. Sit down. And the lady who was super nice, once she was done taking care of a person, I got to cut somebody else who had a ticket. Took care of it all. Phew. So much stress. And Jason83, you're right. All this to get my Nissan Sentra registered. My 2015 Nissan Sentra. So now, guess what? I get to go to the DPS tomorrow to go get my fucking license. Kill me. Although, at the very least, you can set an appointment for 
getting a license. You can't do it for registration. The problem is that on Tuesday, I I went to the I went to the DPS to go get my car license, and um, they're like, "Hey, you don't have you're not registered, so you can't do it yet." So <laughs> I got one more step tomorrow. I hate it. I'm sorry. I spent like eight minutes talking about that, but that's all I've been doing today. Uh, Emily says more evidence. Paul needs to hire a personal assistant. You ain't kidding. I need a personal assistant. Wish I had the funds to do it. Maybe someday we will. Twitch.tv slash Galant says subscribe, follow, or maybe, you know, leave a donation at the Patreon. I've yet to set up or I don't know. Venmo me, PayPal. Hear alms for Paul, who's a fucking idiot and can't do anything on his own without help. Who forgets one random thing, who takes like 12 minutes to get out the door because he'll forget his keys and he'll forget his wallet and he'll forget his phone and he'll forget everything. Anyway, I I thought to myself, since I'm not going to be able to watch the Astros game today, that I would get here... I would do something that I used to do at 6'10 in Houston. I would just look at the box score and pretend like I actually watched the game. Because my show was at night, generally during every single Astros game. So what I would do is I would just like look at the box scores and pretend like I knew what I was talking about. And some people understood that I was just talking out of my ass completely. But other people, they were like, wait a second, Paul, that's not actually what happened in the game. And I would just say, nope, you don't know that. You don't know that at all. Stone Jam 206 says I'm the best damn NASCAR driver ever or somebody else. Are we talking about somebody else here? Anyway, I thought, though, that I would be back and the Astros game would be done. Guess what? So the game started at 2.30. It is currently 6.12. We are approaching four hours. Can you guys guess the score of the Astros Diamondback game that's in the top of the 10th inning? It's a one-to-one fucking game. And I'm looking up at the TV, and yet again, a batter steps out of the batter's box, which is always allowed by umpires, even though it's technically not allowed. You have shitty reliever McGee here, who is taking 15 seconds to actually get the ball to home plate. Let's just take a watch and do the play-by-play of the action. Jose Altuve smells his armpit. He takes his gloves off. He tightens them back up, steps out of the box, puts his left bat, puts his left hand down with the bat. We see a replay. This replay is taking at least eight, nine, ten seconds before we get back to the pitch. Altuve's back at the mound. Okay, 30 seconds in between pitch, all for a ball and a 2-2 fucking count. Jesus. Jason83 says, I have it on right now. It's as long as your DMV story. Seriously, that's what baseball is. But whatever. Let's pretend like we actually watched the Astros game today. They say numbers lie. Stats are for losers. Final scores for winners. But right now, they tell the whole story. Buckle up for box score hunters. I got to say, Jose Altuve finally busted out of his slump, going two for four today. I have no idea what's about to happen in this at-bat, but this is big for a lot of people who were maybe saying that he was over the hill. You know, you don't know what's going to happen going forward with him. Chaz McCormick, you know, I I think that he's proving today that you don't need to have Jordan Alvarez out in the outfield. Like, you could trade Jordan Alvarez. Chase McCormick, three for four today. I mean, that's really impressive. 
Jordan Alvarez is a trade bait right now. And look, Chaz McCormick, Chase McCormick, Chansey McCormick, Choppa McCormick, Chavez McCormick, he's... He's really good, C. McCormick. He's batting 438 on the year because of that three for four day. How about that? Hey, did you see Framber Valdez? He only pitched for three innings. I have no idea why that is, but it, it's true. I, I feel like, you know, only allowing two hits over three innings, he just didn't have this stuff together in this game, you know? And there's a reason that they took him out. Like, he just wasn't accurate with the ball, even though he threw 40 strikes. I'm just bullshitting at this point completely. So, yeah, it's, it's still a 1-1 game. 1-1. In the top of the 10th. Bases are loaded at the very least, so, you know, we can pretend like we're paying super attention to this. Hmm. Okay. Uh, what else is going on here? Oh, yeah! We could do Mariners box score hot takes. You want that? Anyone? No? No, I don't think so. People were being douchebags last night to my guy, Patrick Beverly. I worship Patrick Beverly. I like people who play basketball as hard as they possibly can. I like people who never take a second off, who are constantly trying to get under the skin of the opposition, who are over-the-top intense. Because you know what? People like that tend to rub people that can't play like that the wrong way and make them feel inadequate, insecure. They'll say, oh, well, I just don't like playing with that person. Good. I like to play sports and be hated. I like to play sports and have someone think to themselves, damn it, this is getting tiresome. This is getting frustrating. I'm not having fun anymore. That's where I have fun when that happens. And last night, when the... Minnesota Timberwolves, who Patrick Beverly now plays for, the seven seed took down the Los Angeles Clippers, the eight seed in the first play-in game. We saw Patrick Beverly lose his mind, jumped up on the scores table, running around like crazy. And there even was a moment where, bless his very, very, you know, uh, sweetheart. Because this is a man who I feel like would be welcome into your country club. Here's Patrick Beverly on the victory. Did nobody believe me? Yeah. Weak ass clippers. Yeah. Beat they motherfucking yeah. ass. Fuck out of here. Fuck out of here. Fuck out of here indeed, Patrick Beverly. That's why I like you. You know, he's on a long road this year. He played for the Clippers last season. There was a contract conversation and in an interview that he did with the 3-4 podcast, which I believe is hosted by J.J. Redick and some guy with a beard. Sorry, guy with the beard. But Patrick Beverly talked about what he went through after the Clippers traded him. By the way, Beverly had requested a trade here. Well, you know. Hang on a second. Let me get this bad boy back over here. Maybe I need a producer for this thing. Here we go. Better than anybody. L. Frank and the Clippers organization, uh, and it's, it's 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 no discredit to them. I just felt like when when, when me, Lou, and Trez got to to the Clippers, I felt like we 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 you know we 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 weren't Blake Griffin, we weren't DeAndre Jordan, we weren't Chris Paul, we weren't JJ Reddick. That that wasn't our era, you know. We wanted to kind of have our own identity, and and when we when we got there, it's like we we changed it all up, and then we. You know, you summed it up, and, and we're in the Western Conference Finals. Some of the team has never been done. So, 
you know, me being, you know, there from the beginning, you know, I'm thinking it's contract extension. I'm thinking it's going to be easy, you know, walk in and they, they throw me a number that I, I felt like it was borderline disrespectful, you know? And, uh, so the conversation started me and L Frank and, you know, you know, it was heated little conversation and L Frank's my guy, you know, you know, L Frank, like love he, L Frank. he's, Love L. Frank. Man, love him. Love him to death. And that's my guy. And I told him, I looked him in his face. I told him, my agent, like, man, L. Frank, no, he has to trade me. He has to trade me. He can't pay me. He got to trade me. He know that. And um, from that point, he told me, give me my teams. And, I, you know, Minnesota was in my, my top three. And, uh, you know, I go through Memphis. Didn't know how I felt about Memphis. Didn't know what really was going on. I, I talked to the GM. The GM goes, uh, yeah, we see if we can, uh, you know, uh, how it goes to summer camp. But in my mind, I'm summer camp. Motherfucker. I'm the starting guard there next to John Moran. What the fuck are you talking about summer camp? Whatever. Okay. <laughs> and then I, you know, I, I go to Minnesota and, you know, I, I say I'm gonna make the playoffs and, you know, people, again, they look at me like I'm crazy and, you know, sitting in seventh place. Look, I, I, I love the guy. I mean, you heard him right there or he goes to Memphis for a brief period of time. He's like, I'm the starting fucking point guard. The guy has a competitive drive that I think very few people in sports have, and that's why I like him as much as I do. He gives too many shits at times. He is like me playing flag football. Is it unhealthy? Is it a turnoff? Maybe it is to some, but people were roasting him last night for celebrating. And, okay, maybe you don't like Patrick Beverly because he's a little bit of a dirty player. That's a fair assessment to make. Maybe there's things off the court that he's done that you didn't like. But... For a guy celebrating, are we too cool to celebrate a playoff victory? Are we too cool to celebrate definitively making it into the playoffs? Is the play-in game beneath us now? I saw LeBron James laughing about it. LeBron, you're not even in the playoffs. You didn't even make it into the play-in tournament. What are you laughing at? Inside the NBA, they're clowning him. You know what? I expect them to do that. I don't have a problem with a television show or a radio show clowning on somebody, but I, I just feel like there is this mindset online of like, oh, yeah, we're too cool for it. And it's the same mindset that's fine with giving players like eight days off four games into the baseball season or with load management over the course of an NBA year. Like we have desensitized ourselves to the just competitive spirit that you're supposed to have on a game-to-game basis. Are we suddenly above certain victories? Only a couple of kind of victories are the good ones that are good enough for us? I guess if you're an elitist sports fan and you only root for a really good team, maybe you get to that point. I know in times I've been like that with the Patriots to an extent, but I still love watching that team win. And if I'm playing, you bet your ass I love winning too. Sure, maybe I like to be able to do things and and have significant moments of uh, individual grandeur along the way. But I I felt like last night we took it a real 10 steps too far, dumping on Patrick Beverly because he was excited. They traded him because the contract negotiations weren't going well. He did request it, but they traded him to Memphis, and Memphis traded him to the NBA equivalent of Siberia. The Timberwolves suck. They've been an awful team for a really long time. And he went there, and look, they got tougher. They became a tougher basketball team. You see how they were jawing at Russell Westbrook towards the end of the year? Is that mindset there without Beverly? No. And then Russell Westbrook's acting like, oh, this is this is beneath me. And same thing with LeBron James. Like, fuck off. Like, you're supposed to play to win the game. That's what Herm Edwards always said. And it just bothered me the way that people were clowning on Patrick Beverly. Yes, he's a hardo. No doubt about it. You might not like him because of that, but 
let the guy fucking celebrate. Like, what's wrong with that? Uh, we do have a question. Stone Jam 206. This one is off Patrick Beverly. Where does Baker Mayfield end up? That is a great question. I think that the Browns are going to have to trade a draft pick to get rid of him. I just don't see Cleveland finding somebody who's going to want to take him on. And they've supposedly been looking for like a first round draft pick for him. Who the fuck's going to give you that? You know, the Colts already have a quarterback. The only, I think, way that 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 Mayfield gets something in return for him for Cleveland is if somebody gets injured over the next couple of weeks in some sort of flukish freak accident or something like that. So if I had to pick where Baker ends up, man, that's hard. Let me take a look at the quarterbacks across the NFL. Definitely not going to be Vegas today after the big contract that uh, Derek Carr got. Um, by the way, that, that is something else. We're going to have to talk about that tomorrow. I, I just see the headline up on ESPN.com. The Dodgers pulled Clayton Kershaw after a perfect seven innings. Are you fucking kidding me? You see, see this kind of goes back to what I'm talking about with Beverly. Like, you guys hate on a guy like Beverly who wants to win every single game. You hate on competitive people. How would you have treated Michael Jordan then? What would you have thought about Michael Jordan, who was a psychopath when it came to stuff like this? Anything, anything that was competition, that guy wanted it. Oh, but imagine, imagine that Michael Jordan's on pace for an 100-point game and they pull him. That would never happen. That's essentially the equivalent. Anyway, Baker Mayfield. Hmm. I could see the following teams potentially taking on Baker Mayfield. First off, the Miami Dolphins say that they don't feel like they're getting what they need to out of Tua Tungafailoa. Second, no one in the AFC North. Maybe Pittsburgh. I mean, with Dwayne Haskins, of course, passing, that there's maybe a open spot for a quarterback on the roster. Rest in peace. We didn't talk about that. Coverage of that wasn't great last week. AFC South, I, I don't see any of those teams pulling the trigger outside of maybe Tennessee. But mm, what would you rather have, Ryan Tannehill or Baker Mayfield? I think the last couple of years, you'd probably lean towards Tannehill. NFC Philly, I guess, but they got Gardner Minshew and Jalen Hurts on that roster, and it seems like they want Jalen Hurts to be the guy. Washington could be a possibility, but, I mean, they traded a third-round pick. I don't see it happening. Oh, great. This four-hour baseball game is going to be even longer because the Diamondbacks just tied it up. That's neat. NFC North, uh, the Bears. They're going to make that Justin Fields team. The Lions are probably going to draft the quarterback with one of their first two picks, so they're not going to bring Baker Mayfield in. That's a pointless gesture. The Bucks have Brady. The Saints have Jameis Winston. Maybe they bring in... Baker as a backup or something like that since, since they've sort of moved on from Taysom Hill as a quarterback going forward. The Falcons should, but Mayfield's contract is probably tough to get on the books given what I think they're still paying for Matt Ryan to not be on the team. Man, it's hard. It's hard to think of a place that he could actually end up. The Seahawks seemed like a logical destination, but that's definitely not happening now. Anyway, what's the most hard thing that you have done while playing sports in your life? tell you a quick story i hated cherry pickers whenever i played pickup basketball if you don't know what a cherry picker is a cherry picker is somebody who essentially doesn't go back on defense and stands at the other end of the court 
giving his team a potential amazing fast break if the team that is on offense, which, let's be honest, most pickup game offenses feature a lot of shitty basketball players, at least compared to what we watch in the NBA. A missed shot and a rebound and a pass later, that guy's under the basket all by himself for an easy two. I hate it because it's something that you can't do in the NBA, but it is something you can get away with doing playing a game of intramural hoops. Since I'm pretty damn fast straight line speed-wise, whenever things like that looked like they were about to happen, me as a collegiate playing pickup college, pickup basketball in college, intramural basketball, I would run as fast as I could to the under end of the court and I would contest the shot violently. I would always do it in a way where it wasn't like I was taking the guy's legs out or anything like that, but I always gave a full bit of body contact running from behind and you know, sometimes I'd push the guy pretty hard and he wouldn't like it at all. Whatever. I played football, you play basketball. We know who's more masculine on that front. I hated cherry pickers with a passion, but there once was a time where I was playing a game where we saw, and that's toxic masculinity, 100%. I don't even give a shit. Uh, there was a game where a guy was going up for a layup after cherry picking. I tracked him down, threw him down. The guy hit the shot. So he got a free throw, and he also got a technical foul free throw. He hit both of them. Four-point play, we ended up losing by one. And that was when I was like, oh, well, maybe it's not worth it to be a hardo. But I got to say, I, I respect the cut. Of this guy's jib. This took place in a game featuring De La Nueva del Perdido in Spain. I took Duolingo, so I think I said that right. In this game, in at this point, the 89th minute, about halfway through, so we're getting close to stoppage time in this Spanish soccer game, things were potentially looking dangerous for a team trying to keep the score tied. The team in red. Cole or something. Anyway, watch what happens. It happened during a lower league match in Spain. The score was 1-1 going into extra time. The opposition started to... There Whoa! Go. So what was that? That guy... That guy's not in uniform. into extra time the opposition started to there you go the coach counterattack the assistant manager stepped onto so the pitch, coach steps in deliberately intercepting the ball he intercepts the ball them. and let's pause for a second notice the color of the card for those who follow soccer at all there's red cards and there's yellow cards unless the color of this tv is totally fucked and of this camera that's recording it the yellow lines looks a lot like the yellow card and there's a guy wearing a red shirt right there so they gave him a yellow card and they ejected him. And afterwards, a brawl starts. A chance to go 2-1 up. The referee sent him off straight away and things got heated on the touchline. That is quite incredible. <laughs> He's lost his head there, Tom. He's lost his head there, Tom. What's hilarious about that is if I figured, okay, well, maybe there will be some sort of penalty kick given or something like that because that's fucked up to do. I mean, it's the 89th minute. This team's probably about to approach for what might be its final offensive opportunity. And as you saw here, I mean, there's no one on the left side. He's going to be able to go from here all the way probably in towards the center. And he's got numbers. You got two blue guys up at the top. You got one here. It's about to be a four on two. And he steps in 
and while stepping in, stops the play, and guess what happened? The game ended in a tie. It ended in a tie. Oh, my God. I mean, I got to say, that's a hell of a play by the coach. Ultimately, it wins. Now, he's probably going to get fired. He's probably going to lose his job. You would think that he would have to after something like that. But that is a hard move that I respect. Not going to lie. Really appreciated seeing that. Twitch.tv slash Gallant says is how you watch it. And by the way, look, there's hardos in every element of life. And I wanted to talk about one. Every now and then you get an actor who just talks out of his ass. There was an interview that Mark Wahlberg did going, I think, back to 2002. In an interview with Men's Journal. He talked about what he thinks would have happened if he had been on one of the planes hijacked on September 11th because he was scheduled to fly one of them out of Boston. But he changed his travel plans before that day. If I was on that plane with my kids, it wouldn't have went down like it did. There would have been a lot of blood in that first-class cabin and, and me saying, okay, we're going to land somewhere safely. Don't worry. By the way, the Diamondbacks just won. Ten innings, four hours, five runs. Baseball. Anyway, back to this. So every now and then an actor acts like a total hardo. Well, Sean Penn is the most recent man to do this. He has been working on a documentary about tensions in Ukraine. Flew there to get a first-hand look at the war. And after some time on the ground there, he said that he has thought about taking up arms against Russia. Quote, if you've been in Ukraine, fighting has to cross your mind. Kind of think of what century is this, because I was at the gas station in Brentwood the other day, and now I'm thinking about taking up arms against Russia. What the fuck is going on? Well, Sean Penn, a bit of a hardo. And I think that's definitely noted. Take the creators of South Park, of Team America World Police, who did an interview and talked about it, an experience they had with Sean Penn, who, if you haven't watched Team America World Police, Sean Penn is impersonated in said movie. People get pissed off at you. Has any of them ever said anything to you? The only one that really did was Sean Penn. Who really? took the time to like write a letter <laughs> he was after Team one, America? Right. He was that pissed off that he took time after Team America to actually write us a letter. And he took the, the time letter. to write us a letter and then send the letter to his publicist and, and his publish publicist it, print it, and publish it, <laughs> and make sure it was published. <laughs> he took all the time yeah. to do that. Didn't yeah. matter really if you guys ever got. Yeah. Yeah. We got the letter. <laughs> we got the letter about an hour before it went public. We got this letter. We're like, hey, we got this letter from Sean Penn. And I remember I called Trey and I was like reading it to him. I was like, this isn't real. Is this real? <laughs> and I read it. And then about the and then we read it a couple times. We were laughing on the phone. And I remember talking to Trey. And I was like, this is written. To, this is not written to us. This is written as a public. You know so what I mean? other people... Yeah. Uh-oh. And what then, was he <laughs> particularly angered about? Well, he was... I, I mean, he the only way he could have been that pissed is just because he was in the movie and we made fun of him. Yeah, we made a and the bit, But it was, was so crazy was that in the movie, the big thing we were making fun of him for was being like, I've been to Iraq and, you know, don't... I can, you know, I, you don't know what you're talking about. I've been there and I, you know, and so... And he writes in the letter, like, I've been to Iraq and if you wanted to... You and we'd, know, already shot, like, wait. we'd already shot that shot where he said, I've been to Iraq. Yeah, but I don't think he knew. He didn't even know. He hadn't even seen the movie. He'd only yeah, heard that, would only that we ripped away. on him and he saw the trailer. And then... But he really thought... He, he wrote us... The, the letter was basically like... How dare you, do you realize that you could swing this next election? You could actually, this movie could actually make it so that, and, and we're like, it's a puppet movie, dude. We're not trying to sway anyone's, like, we're not trying to sway any elections. <laughs> and, you know, like, like you are, you know what I mean? And so, anyway. I love Trey Parker and Matt Stone and um, 
It's not surprising that Sean Penn acted that way, considering he's acting like this about Ukraine. Also pretty funny. I mean, he's talking about going to countries that are going through a lot of shit right now and sort of flexing with it. Actors are something else, man. Anyway, that's going to wrap up today's quick edition of the Galan Says Podcast. Sorry it's been late the last couple of days. Hopefully tomorrow's appointment with the DPS to go get my license won't take four hours, multiple trips. And I'm sorry for giving you the personal story as long as I did. I think it took me 10 minutes to get to the fucking point on that. To open this podcast up, but I always appreciate y'all tuning in. Make sure that you do. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Twitch.tv slash Galan says 3 o'clock on Twitch. No show on Friday again. Podcast, of course, you can listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud. And wherever you get your podcasts, I am merely Paul Galan. So long. Farewell. Have yourselves a wonderful Wednesday night, you'll hear me tomorrow. Peace.